0: Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Grind. My name is Peter Howard, at P.A. Howdy on Twitter. And this is a podcast trying to make up for the fact that I missed it last week. I did write my stuff and work through the games last week, but uh, I recently started a new job. My hours have changed drastically, um, and I'm still trying to figure everything back in. So apologies for that, and this one's late as well. I will get back on track. But for now, to close out the season... Uh for most of it at least, let's look at week sixteen and my few notes heading into what is left of the season on a t- Do TV. you have the time to listen to me grind?
1: Take down the film watchers and learn
0: Arizona, I thought Marcus Brown would come on strong towards the end of the season for us, but after a slight bounce back in week 12, he was hit with the injury bug, with a heel injury. This followed him into week 15 after their bye week, where despite starting the game, he left early because of an exaggeration of the previous injury, and didn't record a single target or route. Marcus Wilson, in his return to the field this on week 15, led the team in routes with 19.4%, ahead of the biggest breakout star of the season, on the team at least, Trey McBride. Early in the season, we caught several upticks of route usage, 11% in Week 2, 10% and 11% in the following weeks, in Week 6 and 7, before his biggest breakout game in Week 8 as a tight end one, Notably, his Week 2 finish in points and targets was still relatively mediocre to the position, and the game between that game and his bigger breakout games were actually lackluster in both opportunity and target volume. I think it's good to look back at those weeks and those weeks' articles and podcasts to see how they read at the time for future reference for later breakout tight ends in the season. And that's what I seem to have noted the most, that there was, there was a mediocre period right after a first initial burst of volume. From a more immediate point of view, James Conner paid off big time with his running back 20-weighted opportunity, rating finishing as running back 11 in week 15. It was largely based on a rushing touchdown something he's doing at a slightly above average rate at this point in the season in terms of both his red zone usage and his total yards. Right now he's got 151 yards per touchdown, which is about on the average line. He's a solid starter for the following for the remaining teams in your playoffs, but still only has 46% of the snaps in week and in Week 15, is entering into a below-average matchup for his position versus Chicago. In Atlanta, never trust Arthur Smith. That's that's my takeaway from this season. I like Tyler Agier as much as anyone. And to be fair, this offense has also made him, at best, a borderline frustrating and inconsistent start. But again, both he and Bajon Robinson split the snaps. With If there's a Bajon buy window this offseason, I'll be looking into it. Two first-round picks with the potential of something new and shiny this year might tempt some owners away, if only to run away from the potential of not having to think about these coaching decisions anymore. But outside of that, I think Dynasty's pretty stable on the team. Baltimore, Isaiah likely finishes as a tight M5. I have some rookie year stash him takes I'd love to cash in them, but, but it seems largely labored right now. Isaiah likely has over 20% of the routes, and he's he's used to gain 70 receiving yards and a touchdown in a big Week 15 win that was powered by the rushing game and Lamar Jackson's legs. It's not an unfamiliar story. Once again, Zay Flowers led in routes, 23.7%. And once again, the Baltimore offense is throwing at a slightly below league average rate, despite its continued success in the passing game when they try. In Buffalo... Not the return to form I was hoping for for Stefan Diggs this week, despite 22% of routes and 38% of the targets, which means five total targets and the lead in targets. He was still only f- he still only finished as a wide receiver 45 with 8.8 points, while James Cooks ran away with the running back two finish on 23% of targets and 55 55- 56% of the snaps in Week 15. Don Kincaid put up zero points in Week 15 as well, which is rough for anyone who needed to start him in the playoffs. He ran 13 routes and got two targets. And it mostly looks like a game where the team only needed to pass 15 times, leading to a bad week, not a bad role change for anyone in particular. In a relatively easy 30-10 win against Dallas, there just wasn't a lot happening through the air. This was the last significant below-average matchup for the receiving game that Buffalo has on its schedule, which should mean better games ahead for what's left for both Diggs and Dalton Kincaid. The dynasty standard right now is to trade for digs and trade away cooks at this point into their career and their seasonal arcs, if possible. In Carolina, from a dynasty perspective, the only move I'm interested in from this offense is buying into the depreciated Bryce Young shares in case there's an opportunity to trade them out after a ga- after a few good games in the future. This is a super flex take. Notably, Tommy Tremble, our deepest deep target tight end last week, did see the growth in 14% of the routes in a positive matchup, even if he only resulted, even if it only resulted in finishing as a tight end 32. There was more usage in that matchup. It was also his second highest finish of the season. In Chicago, did you sell Justin Fields yet? Just curious. In Cincinnati, a shoulder injury to Jamal, a shoulder injury to Jamal Chase leaves his Week 16 availability in question, and ends a nice buy window on T. Higgins. I was all set to announce a T. Higgins buy window in Dynasty last, this week after the loss of Joe Burrow and back to back finishes outside the top 36. But Jake Browning offered him 8 targets, which Higgins took for 61 yards and 2 touchdowns, one coming on his single target inside the 20 yard line. Those touchdowns exaggerate the bounce back for T. Higgins and the potential for Browning, the Browning led Bengals at the same time. Ultimately, a bad Dynasty week, but a good fantasy week as we get to remember as we get a reminder of what wide receiver twos of score like wide receiver ones in fantasy can do every week from several teams in the NFL. The Bengals' rest of season could not, won't be great, if you ask me. Their matchups are slightly below average for fantasy expectations. But I'd like to capitalize on any value bumps from those players in general, if possible, in the other direction. In Cleveland, yeah, we got this one right last week as well. Um, this week, I'll just point that point out that Amari Cooper still being the lead target on this Flacco-led offense with 21% of the routes again this week is another old wide receiver still being good in Dynasty take. It's a final league mates who think old wide receivers are bad season type note and for most teams in most leagues these guys are going to continue to be relevant over the next few years. In Dallas... With how late this version of my series is going to come out, my mind is already sliding towards the offseason. In Dallas, three things stick out to me. One, CeeDee Lamb, 21 points per game, and Tony Pollard, 14 points per game, are both finishing inside the top 12 for the second time in back-to-back years. True, Lamb is having a much better year, even relative to his position, but this, to me, is a striking description of the difference between the wide receiver and the running back position landscape in Dynasty right now. Two, Jake Ferguson, someone we noted and targeted early in this season, will be the second year breakout tight end inside the top 12. He's finished with he's finished in the top 12 64% of the weeks he's played, and inside the top 5 21% of the time. He's been a great find and is probably someone who belongs in the top 12 in dynasty ranks at the position moving forward. That's a much thicker and exciting group than it was this time last year in general. And three, Dak Prescott is reprising his top 5 finish from, from back in 2019. He's a solid member of the middle class at that position in Dynasty and someone I've been happy to draft in that range or trade for in that range because the simple adage is player always holds the ceiling of his best previous finish in his range of outcomes. It's not an easy adage, but I think it's an adage. In Denver, Javante Williams struggles this week and snaps, 39% lower since week six, started to slide back towards Samaje Pirine, who had 39% after being below 30% since week 11. Williams still had the lead in rushing attempts, 42%, but ran the same number of routes as Pirine, nine, and had the same number of attempts inside the 20 yard line, two. Only managing to put up 20 yards and negative receiving yards on his two targets, this feels like a team's moving its usage based on the more effective back in the moment. In Detroit, Sam Laporte finalised, if he hadn't already, his emergence in Week 15 with another tight end. One, his third this season performance, 28.6 PPR points. He has been in the top. He has to be in the top three dynasty tight ends for most by now, at a minimum, and one of the few. He's one of the few highly valuable assets at the position. He's finished inside the top five at the position 42% of the time in the weeks that he's played. One of only four players this year to hit that mark. Travis Kelsey, TJ Hawkinson, Sam LaPorta, and of course, George Kittle. In Green Bay, with, DJ, with AJ Dillon out this week, Aaron Jones, in his re- own return to the field, took over 48% of the snaps and finished back inside the top 24. A constant decent ad for depth with top 12 upside weekly, Jones could be interesting for teams looking for a starter where trade deadlines don't exist, especially for this week with a relatively positive matchup for the position against Carolina. Dontavian Wicks took over the latest revolving door role of, no, I'm the breakout player Dynasty managers should waste draft capital on, in the Green Bay wide receiver room. He took a season high 16.8% of the routes, coming in second on the depth chart behind only Romeo Dubs, a lower ceiling but more consistent constant in volume for the second year in a row. Jaden Reed still finished better on only 9.2% of the routes with 52 yards and a touchdown. I remain unconvinced I'd invest... In this offense, outside of maybe a deep depth ad in Romeo Dubs. Tucker Kraft also showed up this week, finishing as a tight end six. He had over 20% of the ra- he's had over 20% of the routes in three of the last four games, and the other one was sixteen percent. So he's actually showing some consistent usage lately. In Houston, without Nico Collins and Tank Dell available, it was Noah Brown it was Noah Brown's turn to shine. He finishes he finished in the top 12 on 18% of the routes, his lowest share of the last three weeks, and a stark reminder that volume doesn't transfer and missing players don't result in a direct increase for others, even if they play and score better, almost like the volume doesn't vacate. Brown shouldn't be an easy start in Week 16 on his role and volume, but this was his third top 12 finish this year with CJ Stroud, And there's some desperation upside if needed. I don't know if I'd be expecting it against Cleveland, however, since they've allowed 23% less to his position than the league average this season. In Indianapolis, Zach Moss did a little better this week, finishing as running back 19 because of a receiving touchdown. But he also split the snap share evenly with Tyler Goodson this week. And in my book, this was another bad week for his expectations moving forward and even into next year. In Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence was able to put up a somewhat usable 14 points as a QB 18 this week, in fantasy, despite his injury concerns last week. However, it wasn't a great game, and no one else was able to finish as a starter with him against a tough passing defense. That is, the defense is tough against the pass, not they are passing while being a tough defense. He also, he's also now in the concussion protocol, by the way. Lawrence, that is. The only positive news is that the Wave Wire has been rich in replacement quarterbacks this year, so hopefully you managed to find one. From a dynasty perspective, this four poor finish could result in some value opportunities to snag a talented player having a less than exciting year. For Kansas City, lot to say there, but... The redraft story here is Isaiah Pacheco, or without Isaiah Pacheco, both Jarrett McKinnon and Clyde edwards helaire had a decent game, both finishing inside the top 13 at the position. Dynasty he has to be more interested in Rashi Rice, though. His ascension hasn't stopped increasing in route share since week 12. He had 20% of the routes this week. That early season efficiency we noted has, at least in this case, really paid off. A signal that only works with any kind of consistency for rookie players future performance that season, and in this case, it's worked. The Los Angeles Chargers, I mean, wow. Historic-level points scored against the Chargers this week. I honestly didn't believe the score, and I had to reload my tracker app just to check. And in fantasy, that gave Eastern Sticks somewhat of a reprieve, since he was able to finish as a QB 13 with 17 PPR points as the team desperately chased any possible outcome than being this bad. To be honest, my biggest takeaway for the Chargers this season is how important Justin Herbert is to that offense, and that Keenan Allen is, once again, in fact, good while old. Like most wide receivers, to be fair. For Las Las Vegas, I believe only the Chargers could bring this team back to life. For Dynasty, I still mostly have my eye on any cheap shares of Michael Meyer that may be out there, He was a QB8 this week on 30% of the routes. Tight ends develop differently, as we know, and so we should also just always just keep an interest in the somewhat interesting rookie profile with decent draft cap. In Miami, what to do with Devin A chain this offseason will be a conversation. It's a very up-and-down introduction to the NFL, but there are very few players at the position with use, positional positive situations, and true upside. This week, Mohamed Mostart took the lead. However, with over 80% of the touches inside the 20-yard line, especially his red zone role has been rock solid. But a was at least healthy and very involved for another week. He's going to be a very volatile asset in trades one way or the other after the games wrap up. In Minnesota, you're way too low on Jordan Addison. I just like saying it. Also, Ty Chandler looks like he's going to come out of the season as the lead back in this offense after firmly taking over the backfield with 80% of the team's snaps in week 15 to score 24 PPR points with 12% of the team's targets. Also, since it's been my most common start sick question this week, Nick Mullins is a top 12 start at the position this week, so more than likely you should have started him or should start him if this possibly comes out before the games. In New England, back to pack top 4 finishes for Hunter Henry. The year was 2019. Oh, it was this year. Sometimes you just have to enjoy that New England is always capable of being incredibly frustrating but also constantly able to bring some old favourites back to life. I don't know I'm starting a New England player in the playoffs outside of a running back, however. To be clear. For the New York Giants, I got nothing. Let the Giants sleep in Dynasty outside of maybe hunting for Saquon Barkley at a discount deal. Uh, I just don't want to think about the Giants too much right now. For Pittsburgh, I enjoy the high upside potential of George Pickens. I do, but I'm always going to be a Deontay Johnson fantasy player. He also has top 12 upside, to be fair, and he's been constantly winning in route share. Both were over 23% of the team's routes this week, suggesting how route breakdowns happen when you have two good players on a struggling offense. Pratt Fryermuth, by the way, also took 20% of the routes, All of those marks are significantly higher for a wide receiver 1-2 or a tight end 1. All seem like viable buy-lows in Dynasty to me, in general. In San Francisco, I don't think I can emphasize how valuable Christian McCaffrey is any more than you already know. I will keep pointing out, however, that Debo Samuel's value has always run behind his Dynasty viability and impact throughout. In Tampa Bay, Week 16 is bringing a positive quarterback matchup for Baker Mayfield, as the Jaguars have allowed 20% more PPR points to the position than the average for the league. Coming off back-to-back top 12 weeks and a QB2 finish against Green Bay, I'm not sure you'll take much convincing. Also, Rashard White is ending the season, perhaps as a must-start at the running back position. It's been a wild ride for Rashad White rosters this year. In Tennessee well, Levis, if you can, and where you can. That's it. For Washington, Sam Howe finished outside the top 12 for the first time since week 7, but was also having maybe his worst game of the season, and maybe the team thinks so anyway. He was replaced by Jacoby Brissett in the fourth quarter. Were the, team, were the team done with the experiment, saving the player in a very lost position down 28-7, to or trying something different just to see if they could get a spark? We don't know. For fantasy, the potential of them being a clear value add to our teams is obvious and has in many ways already paid off, somehow that is. However, there's a difference between the NFL and fantasy, and the team seems less enamoured. With him as an NFL player than we might be as a fantasy player. We do know he has some clear issues, even based on the few things we know to track for quarterbacks like sacks. And it's hard to survive or maintain job security in the NFL with those on your record. It depends on his value in a trade, obviously, and always, but his best sell window may have already passed since even though he is going to start the game this week in week 16, he's looking a little rough at entering the offseason. It's looking rough right now for Sam Howell if you weren't able to profit or value in season, or if you need his wins continuing into the playoffs, and they didn't just help get you there, in other words. Anyway, that's about all I have for you right now. Sorry for missing last week. I am starting to change over my... S- my, when I work on stuff to get back on track, and also we've got the off season coming, so I might have to change the schedule again to get back on our off season program. Let me know what you thought about these in season versions of the podcast, or what you might like me to get back to well uh, in the off season, because um, I'm starting to experiment with ideas on that as well. Um, and it's nearly time to talk rookies. But in the meantime, thanks for checking out the grind. You can hit me up at PA Howdy absolutely everywhere, as you know. And I will talk to you again next week.
1: Prompt. Yeah. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run phone, so. Jake on the table and ape on a play so. Beating the more, it's the a analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that Close. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that yeah. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats nice. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars Dropping bombs without no borders, dick out that eye, eye like mortar Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore I am at a crossroads, chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road Go click and a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold. So Jake on the table and they've the play, though. Pete and Numa it's the place, the place analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road. Go clicking a pole, Twitter is gold, play run fold. So Jake on the table and they've the play, though. Pete and Numa it's a the place analytical.